Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. This is our 335th podcast. We're delighted we, uh, to have a great show this evening. Our special guest uh, is Anne Marie Kelly. She developed the concept and the book, The Five-Year Marriage, which is a very intriguing, unique, fresh look at uh, relationships and marriage. Basically, you would uh, renew your vows, kind of start from scratch every five years, new contract every five years. Maybe that's something that uh, maybe that's something that we should be doing because, you know, the divorce rate, I think first marriages, it's like 40 percent, second marriages, 60 percent and third marriages, 73 percent. I did not realize that very high, though. The more you get divorced, the more likely you are to get divorced again. So we're going to bring Anne-Marie on. Uh, she's going to call in, and we'll have a great conversation with her and discuss her work. In the meantime, this is Guys Guys Radio, the place where, where men and women can be their best. Everyone wins. We've got a special show this evening because uh, we are going to make a special announcement at the end of the show as to what's happening with our program. We're delighted that things have gone so well, and we continue to grow. Again, 335 podcasts. We're all over. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, we're on TuneIn and Blog Talk Radio, and uh, if you want to support the show, they're all for free. You can download them all. I would ask you, if you can, if you so choose, to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That really helps us out a lot. As you know, the whole Guys Guys movement started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. It's kind of a peek under the tent into the world of modern man. It's a little bit, it's been called the male sex in the city, but it's a little bit different because men roll a little bit differently, as you know, than women in the, in the book and the, and the TV show and the movie sex and the city, the four ladies would get together and kind of dish over cosmopolitans. And it was very kind of a nineties idea in my book, the guys, guys guide to love. It's about two guys and they compete and, uh, Men are more, in my opinion, kind of lone wolves versus women. We don't dish as much about all the ins and outs of our relationships. We will only share what we feel is necessary. And that's if something big happens. You meet somebody new, you're getting a divorce, you're having a kid. Then it's a, you have another beer and watch the game. That seems to be the way guys communicate. I'm not saying that's the right way. Uh, I think women do a much better job at that, but men have their own vibe and their own way of doing things. So that seems to be the way they do it. But anyhow, in the book, the main character writes a column actually about men for women. And he decides to tell the truth, the real truth about men. And uh, guess what? The truth isn't that bad. The truth always sets you free. So anyhow, that's the name of the book. Then we started blogging on my website, robertmanny.com, which became kind of life imitating art because I started blogging the same way the main character in my novel 
was writing his column about men for women. I wrote about men for women on robertmanny.com in my blog on life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. And from there, we started doing podcasts of Guys Guys Radio. And that was 335 podcasts ago. And here we are. And as again, again, as I mentioned, we have some great news coming up at the end of the show. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on out there uh, in Guys Guys world, if you will. It's holidays here in New York City. And uh, everybody's checking out the beautiful uh, arrangements uh, around Rockefeller Center. The tree is gorgeous as usual. I will have a little beef, though, with... uh, Saks Fifth Avenue, because uh, there's nothing holiday about their display. It's all about selling product. It's a little disappointed. They usually do something a little more festive, a little more Christmassy, if you will. This time, the the displays are all about just product. So a little disappointed in that, but that's their choice. And I know retail is tough these days, so you got to do what you got to do. Elsewhere, um, my birthday's coming up. There's so many December birthdays and uh, I was reading an article the other day in the New York Post of all of all places, and it talked about how people born in December are actually happier and live long and healthier. They live longer lives for for from for whatever reason. I think it's because the moms uh, get the kids out um, in the summer in the, that first summer after a couple of months in winter, and uh, that does a lot of good after like six months or so that the kids outside all summer. Why? Why? What's what's the importance of the gap between December and, uh, you know, April or May, I don't know how that helps, but supposedly, uh, having that long summer ahead is uh, really beneficial. Yesterday, December 18th was Keith Richards, 75th birthday, you know, Keith, the guitar player and probably the personification of rock and roll. He's the Rolling Stones lead guitarist. He's come up with some of the most notable riffs in rock history. He's amazing. I've seen the Stones play live like 17 times and interestingly enough the last time I saw them was in Pittsburgh we did kind of a guy's road trip we went out to Pittsburgh and I saw the Stones play and they were ferocious they were better than ever and it was shocking because and the four guys I was the three other guys I was with we all agreed like wow they really were vital they have a lot of chi they just keep going they're coming back now it's a big tour coming up next summer uh, spring and summer I think they, they limit it to like 14, 15 cities now. Uh, and then they take a break because listen, these guys are in their seventies. Charlie Watts, the drummer who has the most physically taxing job. Well, I guess Mick Jagger, he has to run around a lot and Keith Richard and Ron would have to play the guitars and move around. That's not easy either, but being a drummer, that's tough work. I think that's the toughest work. And Charlie Watts, I think he's like 78 or something like that. So they have to have a masseuse of course, for him before every show. And, um, it's not easy hitting those, uh, pounding those skins for a couple hours. Uh, but uh, God bless them, and uh, hopefully they'll have some more music. They haven't put out a new album, an album of new material since night since 2005. That's a long time. Whereas you know you have Paul McCartney, he's out there touring also. He seems to come up with a new album like every two years or so. It's very prolific, Paul McCartney. So anyhow, let's see what happens with the Stones. Happy birthday, Keith. Um, I am rounding out the year with uh, the ending of my process of elimination diet. I set up this diet program at the beginning of the year where I decided I would come up with my own diet. 
And what I did was I was inspired. I ran into a friend from high school. I hadn't seen him in 20 years. He was a chubby kid. He was the trainer on the soccer team. Chubby kid and very nice guy. And then I ran into him in business and he was like tall and slender and toned. And I'm like, wow, Stu, what happened to you? How'd you do that? He said, I stopped eating. And I was thinking about that. He was joking, but I said, really? He said, yeah, I don't eat that. I don't eat as much. You know, the less you eat, the less you're going to gain weight. And, you know, you have to eat. To me, you should eat. It's about choices. Eat this or that, this or that, this or that. So I already, I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat for 10 years now. And that was a surprise to me. I never thought I would do that, but I did. And I'm glad I did. And now I decided, okay, I'm going to come up with this diet. So in January, I started giving things up once a week. And now I'm on week 51. I've made it. I gave up alcohol, number one, which was, I figured, let's go for the big challenge. I'm a social drinker like most people. I want to see what it would be like going into all those social situations right through the summer and the fall and the football games and the outdoor cafes and the spring and the summer and the cold beers and the margaritas and just none of that. And I made it. And uh, I learned so much. I've been journaling about it and I'm putting something together uh, for next year on it. But uh, I have one more week to go. And I'm wondering, should I give up pasta? Should I give up my beloved peanut butter? I don't know. I just gave up cereal. (laughs) It will be for two weeks or two or three weeks. But it's been an amazing experience. And I can't wait to uh, put something out there on that. So uh, that's that. What else is happening? You know what? I know they're trying to work with getting rid of these robocalls, but I got to tell you, I get so many robocalls and the numbers keep jumping around. And sometimes I get it and it's from unknown number and you can't block it because otherwise I just catch them and block them and catch them and block them. And now they have a thing on the new iPhone, at least where you go to where voicemail is and it shows you a little bit about, it shows you kind of a, what they're saying. And it's always the same thing. It's this healthcare company trying to sell these healthcare packages. And they always say, um, press two if you, if you want to be on a do not call list. Well, I am on the do not call list. They shouldn't be calling in the first place. And I'm not going to answer because you're going to get a recording anyhow. So that just keeps going on and on. And I'm sure so many people are uh, affected by this. And supposedly Congress is working feverishly to get hold of it because now the robocallers are getting more and more sophisticated and the, the numbers just ping around. It's like, Sometimes it's a number that's close to, to you. It's close to like, hmm, maybe that's somebody I know because of the area code. And then it's someplace in Texas and someplace in Louisiana. And the, today I got one from Turkey. I saw a country code and then the number. I'm like, who is calling me from Turkey? And I really believe it's one of these. It was one of these robocalls. I blocked the number and everything, but... I wonder if you folks out there are running into the same thing. I would guess the answer is yes. Okay, last but not least, um, I don't think in New York City we're going to have a white Christmas. Uh, the, the temperatures have gotten kind of moderate now. Um, you know, it's seasonable. We're getting into the winter solstice, December 21st. That's the shortest day of the year. And then from there, and the least light amount of daylight, and uh then from there, every day we get another minute or so, actually another minute all the way to June 22nd, but it goes fast. So enjoy it. And then when you hit daylight savings in, uh, in April, I believe, then we get more and more light. So the worst we're at the, we're at the core right now. Now we got to plow our way through. If you're in New York, you know what I mean? You got to plow your way through the holidays, 
January, February, March, and then things start to turn. Then it's baseball season and people seem to brighten up. But we have some long winters here, as we do in a lot of northern cities in the country. So anyhow, I hope everybody's staying safe and uh, looking forward to uh, the the holiday week. I hope you get the week off between Christmas and New Year's, folks. Um, And if not, uh, just uh, chill out a little bit. Uh, Hopefully it'll be a little bit quiet. Oh, one last thing. So I don't like to, I don't like to trash people or retailers because I know it's tough right now, but I got to tell you, I ordered something, uh, J. Cruz having these sales, like 50% off. So I ordered something online. Nine days went by, no update on the order. Nothing. Called up. I put, just put the phone down. It stayed on hold 15 minutes. I just turned it off. Did it again the next day. Same thing. I sent a note uh, and they said, well, they responded a day later saying, we'll respond to you in 72 hours. Then I went on Twitter because they have a Twitter thing for help. And I said, I want to count. Can't, here's my order number. Cancel it. I haven't heard anything yet. So we'll see what happens. I'll report back on that hunt on Sunday night show. But anyhow, and I love J. Crew. I like their products. But you know what? I know it's tough for the retailers. But if you have a sale and you've got all these, you got all, you've, you've got all these orders, staff up. Let's make it happen. That's how you got to move the inventory. You got to move those boxes. So anyhow, love their products. And uh, this particular holiday season, I don't know if they were caught off guard or whatever, but catch up, folks at J. Crew. Anyhow, the people there are usually very, very nice to talk to also, but I can't even get anybody on the phone or to really have some type of uh, a timely response. So anyhow, so this is Guys Guys Radio. We're going to bring out our special guest, Anne-Marie Kelly, in just a moment. So hang in there and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Guys Guy Radio. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. Your host, Robert Manny. Let's talk about our special guest and uh, also her her uh, topic that she's going to talk about and kind of a movement she's created, the five-year marriage, shifting the marriage paradigm. I have the book here. Uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty novel idea. And uh, it's, it's, I think it comes from a loving place. And uh, I think a lot of people who are so uh, habitual have to kind of wrap their head around. And she answers almost every question you could possibly have between her websites and the book. But we're going to bring her out here and we'll talk about it. So let me tell you a little bit about Anne-Marie. She's been married six times, each time for five years. While working on her five-year marriages, Anne-Marie started a training company, Skill Builder Systems. She also founded the Victorious Woman Project and its annual fundraiser, the Girlfriend Gala. And she joined WCHE as host of the weekly radio show for women, the Friday Happy Hour with Anne-Marie Kelly. And now she podcasts as Victory Chicks Radio. And I am going to be her guest. She's on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And before sharing her inventive twist on marriage in the five-year marriage, shifting the marriage paradigm, she also wrote Victorious Woman. Shaping Life's Challenges into Personal Victories and Victory by Design. So let's bring her out on Guys Guys Radio right now with a holiday welcome. Good evening, Hi, Robert. Kelly. How are you? Hi, I'm Robert. Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this evening. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, and thank you for having me. I, I was listening to your monologue, and, and you were talking about December 21st. It is my favorite day of the year. <laughs> well, Some my birthday is the 22nd. You know, and oh, I gotta well, tell happy you, birthday. Well, thank you. I got to tell you, having a birthday three days before Christmas, 
Some people think it's horrible, but you know what? It's really good. You get a little uh, pre-celebration that's all yours. Mm -hmm. People are already in a festive mood. When I was a kid growing up, I never got stiffed on presents. I used to get money for my birthday and then presents on Christmas. And it's a lot of fun. Now, if your birthday is December 26th or December 27th, 8th or 9th or 30th, that's that's kind of a... That's a different story, in my opinion. I feel very lucky that uh, uh, fortunate that it's the 22nd. But anyhow, what were you saying, Anne-Marie? Well, I would agree with you. I have a January birthday. So usually by January, everybody's tapped out. (laughs) (laughs) You're Capricorn? They don't want to see sugar. They don't uh, Capricorn. Um, Right on the cusp between Capricorn and Aquarius. Okay. So they they don't want to eat anything. They don't want to drink anything. They don't want to go anyplace. And I was talking to a fellow Capricorn last night, and she was saying that uh, those those people of January birthdays have know what it's like to have, be, have your birthday snowed out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So many times that you know that, that that it's either an ice storm or a snowstorm or then you have to make up. The good part about that is you get to make it make it up like another time. Like you can celebrate it in. I used to do something when I was younger called half birthdays. So I'd wait until June. Mm. And I'd have June and June nineteenth. I'd have a half birthday celebration. Well, that's interesting because now you have your you know, your five year marriage thing. So you like to kind of you like to kind of cut things cut things down to I guess digestible chunks. So let's talk about this concept of five year marriage for people who aren't um, you know they think like what do you mean five year marriage? Why don't you get into your inspiration and kind of what the overall concept is really all about? Well, the overall concept is that, that you get married for just five years because, in, because, and you do it because so much changes in five years that not, not just the world around you, but the way you see things and the way you feel about things. And so at the end of five years, you put a, you put a pin in the timeline of your marriage and you and your partner sit down and say, here's where we were. Here's where we are now. How do you how do we want to go forward do individually and as a couple? And then presuming that you still want to go forward together, then you figure out how to do that. People I know, I've known people who have just done, you know, uh they get they they celebrate every year. They they do like some I, I can't even figure out exactly what it is, but they but they get married. They have a ceremony every year. And to me, Robert, that's I do, why I don't get that is because in a year's time, you're sort of just catching up with something. If something big happened, you're just catching up with it. You don't you haven't checked in with how you feel about it. You haven't checked in with how that changed your thought process or how you see things differently. Over mm-hmm. five years, you do. Let me ask you something. When I was thinking about this as I was reading along, and everybody, you know, gets married at different times. Um, you know, I got married later in life, and uh, mm-hmm. I've been married eight years now. And I waited so long to get married that when I go home for the holidays, nobody asked me when are you getting married. It was just like a foregone <laughs> conclusion that I would be single forever. But I knew right. when I was ready, and I actually told my mom. I said, I'm getting married next year. And she said, oh, great. Who? I said, I don't know, but I just know I'm, I'm ready. And I knew the key for me was I needed to make place in my heart for somebody else, not just for me. And as soon as I did that, the right person came into my life. And I'm, gl- I'm glad I waited. That said, 
Um, the fact that everybody's on a different journey and a different timeline. Um, I guess the, the con- to me, the concept is wonderful that really you want to really renew, um, uh, get a good look at where you are, where you're going, and make sure you're with the right person. And it's a good uh, reality check. Um, that said, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, I guess, I guess everybody should consider this, but I don't know if it's for everybody. Would you, would you agree? I do agree. I don't think it's for everybody. I just, I don't think that everybody wants to, five-year marriage is about creating your partnership. And I don't think everybody wants to have a partnership in marriage. Mm -hmm. And for those people, the five-year marriage just wouldn't be the right thing. Um, talk a little bit more about that. Not, not everybody wants to have a partnership. I mean, because I would, I would think like, well, some people want to have a partnership, but they, they don't necessarily want to do it on in five-year increments. Couldn't you, couldn't you want to have a partnership and not do it in five-year increments? And I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want the, our conversation. I don't want to put you on a defensive, but I'm just, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want it to be that, well, it's not for everybody because some people don't have a partnership. That sounds like there's people who don't do this are lacking. And I don't think that's what you mean. No, I don't. I, I don't mean mean that. And some people, and you're right. People have said to me, "Well, why five years?" And and for me, the way that I see it is, five years is a good time frame because enough changes mm-hmm. over five years. But yeah. you could do it after eight years. You could do it after ten years. Uh, it, whatever that piece that works for you. The partnership piece. There's a lot of people who who are really content to be to, to be uh, to have a a, a relationship where there is one person who is more dominant and the other person goes along. And mm-hmm. I don't think of that as a partnership. So, you know, so I think a lot of people are like, like that kind of a relationship more than a partnership. Partnership really means both of you have to step up and there are some relationships where somebody's just really happy to go along. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, if though, but if you had a couple and one person was more dominant and, you know, one's more of a giver and one's more of a taker, and it kind of works for them. Isn't isn't that? Couldn't you argue that that's kind of a partnership in its own way? That's not it. Like it's like fifty fifty down the middle with everything. It's not that, but they you, people. I think what happens a lot is that people find a way. Couples that are together, they find a way if they're supposed to find a way, if they want to find a way. Well, that's true, Robert. Except that more and more, you're seeing gray divorce. So there's a lot of people who mm-hmm. went went along with that program, and then at some point they changed enough and didn't address that change that they said, well, I mean, I, just the longest I've heard somebody getting a divorce after being married for a long time was 38 years, and I just couldn't even understand, well, you know, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. And the woman said, well, they... She said, you know, if you had asked me, I would have told you we had a happy marriage. She said, we didn't argue very much. We, you know, it's every once in a while about money, but we really didn't argue very much. But she said, you know, but we never really had a deep conversation. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they knew each other and I I would not have called that. They raised their kids. They both had jobs that, you know, they did what is a traditional format for marriage. But, so um, it sounds like one of the one of the reasons to do the five year thing. It's a good check in point to make sure that both people are kind of uh, having shared values, uh, making sure that each person is is happy with how things are. They can tweak things a little bit. 
Um, is that what's the real purpose behind the five year map? The, 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 whether it's five or six or three years or whatever, what's the real purpose be, behind uh, having these kind of timelines? Well, any partnership needs to check in with with each other for you know at, mm-hmm. at some point you know it, it, there's and there's nothing there's nothing that lasts without some kind of a check in or mm-hmm. sure. something you know, nothing like like can you imagine having your cell phone contract until it's marriage is the only institution that doesn't have a dead date on it you know like mm-hmm. it's it's um, you know the, well the dead date is till you're dead and okay, what I've well, noticed. Okay. Like you're, it's like having your cell phone contract. You would never have your cell phone contract for the rest of your life, or you, and you don't ever expect your heater to last in the same condition for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, um, you know, some people, you know, you have kids though. I mean, part of life is uh, you have relatives, and you know, you can't get rid of them really. And uh, <laughs> you have, if you have children, that's a lifetime kind of. You know, you don't do a fit of formal contract, but, you know, you have some of that. So, you know, I, I, I totally understand where, you, where you're coming from, and I, I don't disagree. But I think there are some things that are just part of life. Now, I'm not defending the institution of marriage at all, and I actually think that uh, having this check-in period is a really good idea. So tell us a little bit more about it and what are some of the benefits that people get out of it, people who've done it. Well, I think one of the biggest things that happens with the five-year marriage, I think a lot of times when you're married, you tend to become complacent. And, and that, you know, when you're, you know, when you're very first together and every, and that person's like the best thing and you think of that person first before you think of anything else and, and your whole world revolves around you and that person. And, and then you get married and then you, then life goes on. And too often in that life goes on time, you're thinking about your career and then you have kids and then you're putting them before your relationship. And that happens way too Mm -hmm. many times. And so, so that, you know, so that you get complacent in the relationship, you know, and you're not as polite with each other as you used to be. And, you know, a lot of, and then you start taking advantage of each other because, you know, Mm -hmm. if something, if there's a problem, you have till you're till like for the rest of your life to fix it. So I'll worry about this when the kids get older or, you know, when, when I get to be head of the company or, right. you know, like I get this promotion. Mm-hmm. So you put the important stuff and the important stuff is the relationship. So you put that on the back burner in favor of other things. Typically in the five year marriage, you really don't have that same uh, comfort level of for complacency because you've made some commitments. At the end of five years, you're going to renegotiate those. You're going to sit down. You're going to look at them. You're going to renegotiate what needs to be renegotiated. And you just don't have that piece of complacency. You just don't think, oh, I, don't have, I don't have forever to fix it. I have now to fix it. If, if we're having a problem, if we're not communicating, if you, know, you feel resentful or you know, whatever is going on between the, the couple, you don't have forever to take care of that. You have until the end of this marriage. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that, the, and that, and that happened in, in my own marriage, where in, in, our, in my second marriage, we got about halfway through, and that, and that really is typically when, not typically, but it's often when that time comes that 
you know, that you start rethinking things or run into a wall. And that's what happened for me and my spouse. And we ran into that wall. There was a problem we couldn't fix. We tried. God only knows, Robert, because my background in, is in education. I'm a teacher. I was a corporate trainer. I could fix anything. Do you know? That was my right. job. So mm-hmm. I just presumed we were going to be able to fix this, and we couldn't. And then one day I said to, to my spouse, I said, Joseph, we really need to go. We need to get outside help because we, we, we've tried, and we are not fixing this. I don't think we're going to be able to fix it without outside help. And so we end up seeing a marriage counselor. And Joseph later told me that, and he was really nervous. You know, like I'd already been to, I came, we both came from really crazy backgrounds. So I'd already been for therapy. So I already had a handle on that and I wasn't afraid of it. But he had never been and he was. But it was such a positive experience and we both learned a lot of things. But Joseph later told me that if it hadn't been for the five-year marriage, he probably wouldn't have gone for counseling. Mm-hmm. When we're on a, kind of our lifeline, if you will, and there's differences when we're 20, in our 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, and a lot of people that do these starter marriages, I don't think they do them necessarily on purpose, but a lot of people just want to get married, and so they mm-hmm. get married and they think about it. That seems like a, where this five-year marriage uh, idea really is a good check-in point. Um, do you have any um, insights in terms of uh, which decades, if any, uh, kind of stand out as being more um, uh, in need of the five-year marriage? I, you know what? I don't think so, Robert, because because so much changes. And, I'll, and, and like, for example, at the very beginning, like, like for, for me, the first five years was probably, you know, much like anybody else getting married. And, you know, we were madly in love and, and, you know, we owned a house, and we were just figuring it out. And the second year we came, when we were there and we hit that wall, and we went for counseling. It's a whole different set of circumstances, um, not not in this most recent marriage, but in the 2008-2013 marriage, that mm-hmm. we were givers for our mothers. Mm-hmm. And in that time period, both our mothers passed away. And that made a huge impression on us. The year, so I think it, at every stage, something big happens. And how that, so there isn't one particular time that it's better or not better. It's, I think it's important at every stage. Um, if, uh, because, you, because you know when our mothers died, and they were the last parent, and I think that's a big deal. When the last parent dies, that I mean, we start talking about things like when we were still the kids, even though we were the caregivers for our mothers, when they died and we were no longer the kids, that shifted a lot of stuff for both of us. Because then you start thinking, oh, good, well we're not, we're up next at bat. So, you know, so we talked about things that they, when we did our negotiations that time, we talked about things that we don't really want to talk about. You know, it wasn't it wasn't so much fixing problems. It was, you know, we have to think about what goes on in the future. So, mm-hmm. so that's just. Uh, what, but there's been. But I could tell you that there's been something in every single one of our marriages that come has come up that sure. has created that that same con- kind of conversation. 
Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've been asked every, I, and I, I feel you for it because I'm, I'm sure you've been put on a defensive a trillion times over this because you know marriage is a quote unquote institution and a lot of people are like, well, what about this or what about that or what about that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking from an audience perspective, uh, what would I ask? What would I want asked if I was listening to the show? And that's what I like to do. So I guess mm-hmm. uh, one thing would be, um, okay, do you do an actual legal contract? Uh, what would be your recommendation? Because you know, a lot of people have uh, non. Uh, excuse me. Uh, they have uh, uh, prenups, prenups and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then, uh, then you do this. Then you have your regular marriage contract and license and everything. And then this is another one. Every five years, it's like, um, I guess for some people, it would feel like it's taken a little bit of the romance out of the whole uh, process. But in, in in reality, it might be putting more romance back into it because uh, you know you're on. You're you got to be on point. Yes, I think that it does put more romance back into it because uh, it, it, there's nothing romantic about divorce, and when mm-hmm. and when you're angry with each other and you get a divorce, that you know the, the or the process leading up to a divorce, there's nothing there's nothing romantic about that, but when you sit down and have a conversation with your partner, and you get to the you know that end of five years and you start renegotiating, and yes, we we don't have a I include in the, the book, The Five-Year Marriage, I include a, you know, like a sort of an outline of a contract, a sample that you could use. With Joseph and I, we write everything down. We say, here's where we're going, here's what our plan is, and uh, and here's what we need to do to get to that, like, because what we need to do to get there. So that may mean in this last time, we just got married in September, so when we were negotiating things over the summer, we were like, well, what do we need to be doing differently? Do we need to be doing anything differently? And one of the things that we realized is to get us to the next phase of, of where we want to go in our lives, we needed to make some lifestyle changes. And that really, you know, it, it wasn't about arguing. It wasn't about, you know, like some of those other things that we might have talked about in earlier mm-hmm. marriages. But this time it was like lifestyle changes. And it's like, huh. And, you know, more than things like a diet and exercise, but even just this was something sort of silly, but it was important to us, was instead of having to straighten up on Saturday mornings, we'd rather be sitting and, and having tea with each other or take a walk into mm-hmm. town and have breakfast. Well, we needed to make a little lifestyle change that we, that because we're so busy, we would just leave things and then we would spend two hours having to straighten up. That was a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change that doesn't seem like it's important, but it makes a huge difference because instead of straightening up, we would rather be if we would straighten up a little bit all week long. We wouldn't have mm-hmm. that on Saturday morning. Then we'd have more time to be to chat with each other, and um, so you know, so that that's kind of where we we are with that. So I th- and I think because we're working on things together, I don't feel like. I don't feel like, and I don't think Joseph feels this way either, that one person is necessarily giving up, giving giving something up in favor of the other person and not getting anything back. In fact, one of the things I talk about in the five-year marriage is about negotiations. And I, I, I so often talk to women who say, well, he asked me to do this or this was going on and I gave this up and I gave this up. And then they get they get to you know, 10, 15 years, and they're angry. And I really don't think that, I don't think it's a, a good thing to 
just give give up. I'm very big about women having their own power and and standing in their own power. And I think when women just give up or compromise, compromise is like a dirty word to me in marriage. I don't believe in that. I believe that you should negotiate something. So if I'm giving something up for you, then I want, want to know what you're going to do in return for me. It doesn't have to be at the same time, but, but I need to know that you're going to do that for me. And I think it should be the other way around. If you're giving something up for me, then I think that I should be able to say, but to show my appreciation that you're giving that, this up, here's what we can do together for you. So you don't uh, you don't water down what you want. You just uh, get give the other person something that they want. So it's a win win, right? Uh, yeah, I, it's it, it. That's isn't that what a good partnership does? Yeah. Um, what do you do about um, when, when it's uh, okay? The five years is up, and you've done six of them. I guess. Do you guys have a celebration? Do you go out for you know pizza or something? What do you or you go on a honeymoon? Many you know. What do you do? Um. So. We always have a ceremony, and it and it's not a renewal ceremony. Some people like to say, "Well, it's, you know, you're you're renewing your vows." No, we're not doing that. We are ending. We are technically, in our in our hearts, we're ending that marriage, and then we're starting a new one. And so we do have a ceremony. We have not always had a party. This last one that we had, our seventh wedding in September, we did have a party because. Uh, the the other ceremonies have been, you know, we have maybe two or three people. One of our one of our weddings was at I'm a graduate of Newman University, so we went to the priest who did my baccalaureate mass. <laughs> um, it, it, the priest who did my baccalaureate mass said, what, I asked him if he would do it because he did mass every day for the nuns, and so, you know, we went and it was a half hour mass, and it was. Joseph and me and the nuns. So we had a big crowd, but it was all, <laughs> they weren't, nobody mm-hmm. knew we invited. So, and then we'll go out to lunch or we'll go out to dinner. And, the, but this last one we had, uh, we invited, we had about 25 or 30 people. And it Let was, me, okay. so it was, a, it was really a special time. That's great. Um, let me ask you this. What, is, what typically, you know, just to go take a half step back, we were talking about, um, you know, empowering women to get what they want and then men getting what they want also. Typically, um, what has been your experience in terms of what women want more in a marriage and what men want more in a marriage? I, I, think, that, I, I think women want conversation and they, they want to they feel cared for and they want to feel appreciated. And... And I think I think you're you could probably answer this better than I could, but I think men just they they wanted they there's a piece of um, not security, but there's like a some that they don't want to have to be shifting around and changing all the time. So the stability maybe the word is stability. Mm-hmm. So they okay. they you know if they have their job and they have their family. And they know that they're going to be watching the game on Sunday. Like that's for many men. That's good. And what throws them off is when things get shifted around. Right. Okay. Um, so you tell me. Is that, do you feel that way? Is that what your experience is uh, as a mean, guy? I, uh, no, I, I, I'm actually uh, try to take. Uh, 
be in the present and be open to change as much as possible. And I find the more I'm, and my wife really helps me out with that. So I, I, I don't get com- too comfortable. Um, and uh, if there's certain things I want to do, if I want to watch the game or something like that, um, and, you know, I'll find a, I'll find a way to do it, but I don't, I don't I try, do my best not to have that get in the way of family time. Cause we have a, we have a five-year-old, so he, he has to come first, the three of us and uh, it works out pretty good. So, uh, uh I, so I guess, you know what, Robert, guess, you said that word I think, comfortable. I think that's the thing. It's like there's a comfort zone, and I know. And what I see with a lot of men is that they they like living in that comfort zone. Not, there's not a lot. They, they, they could stay in that comfort zone, and then you know, they, they, then they have to figure out which which china to use when they have company. You know, and it's and and she says, well, we use the good china. You know, or they put the pillows on the bed, or things that are important to that, the way that a woman wants her house to be. That a guy's mm-hmm. like, you know, well, so what? Yeah. So. No, I hear you. Um, how about uh, what kind of questions do you get, and or, or any pushback at all? What people might have um, uh, uh, questions about from a religious standpoint? Well, you know, I'm a Catholic, and marriage is supposed to be this, or I'm Jewish, and it's supposed to be that, or or um, Hindu, whatever. Uh, what do you get questions a lot about that? Yeah, I do get that. I do get that question, and and it really depends on how you like. If you think that marriage has to be until you're dead, this isn't the marriage for you. And if, but if you feel like within the context of that relationship, it's, you know, like if if you say, well, the in the Catholic Church. Uh, you can't get divorced. Well, that's the rule, except how many people follow that rule exactly. or don't follow that rule. Let me say that mm-hmm. don't follow that rule. So, th- and they just say, and, and you're excommunicated if you get divorced and you can't go for communion and you can't. And how many people actually follow that? They say, who's going to tell me that I can't go to communion, you know, if, because I got divorced. I'm not, I'm not following that rule. So that's, that's the okay. way I would figure that mm-hmm. out because what, what, go ahead okay. what what about um what happens you know you do these things in five years increment and you say you know, like until you're dead which sounds very frankly <laughs> this is, it, 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 it sounds negative frankly saying you know, marriage until you're dead yeah. that's not the way to go I, I don't look at it that way i look at it like you live a good life together i don't look at it until until you're dead but that's just me i guess but um what if one partner gets uh sick and then the other one, it would, using the five-year uh, paradigm, if you will, you could say, oh, well, you're not living up to this or that. So it's, what happened to for better and worse and, and as part of your original vows? I, I think that then you have to say just as, it is, as, it, as in any partnership, you have to figure that piece out. And, and if you... You know, just because you're living in a five-year marriage and just because you have a, a, a contract doesn't mean that you don't have love. Mm-hmm. And and the way that I see it and the way that, and in my experience, the more that you are connected through with a five-year marriage and the more that you're, part, that you're strong in your partnership. See, Robert, the, the, to me, the, the five-year marriage creates more intimacy and more 
gives you a greater sense of love for each other because you've really worked hard together. You know, one of you isn't going this way and one of you isn't going the other way. So then if somebody is sick, there isn't a... I don't believe that you. That I don't believe that you would. That that it. I mean, you could. You could say, "Well, you're sick, and I and I, I want to go on mm-hmm. without you." But you're more likely to say, um, "We're partners, and I'm helping you." Now, I will tell you this. And there's an old show that came out a really long time ago. You know, Robert. Maybe this is one of the things that that flips around in my head that created that that enabled me to create this situation. But it was an old it was an old uh, mini series called Scruples, and in that in that particular show, it was a woman who married an older man, and then he he got sick, and they recreated their relationship. Well, they didn't. I, those are my words. They, that's not exactly how they did it. But he told her like he knew that she was young and he was not going to be able to to. He was in a wheelchair and he was, and he said, "Go, go find somebody else, mm-hmm. not leave him." Not to leave him, but if she wanted to meet somebody and have an affair, that was okay. And in the five-year marriage, if you wanted to do that, you could. Do you, do you oh, know what I'm saying? Could, like, you, yeah, but you could do that in a regular marriage too. Yeah, right? sure you could. If you, like, if, well, if fidelity is one of the things in the five-year in the five-year marriage I talk about, that's one of the things you need to discuss. Are you going to have a faithful relationship? You're going to have an open marriage. You're going to be swingers. As long as you both agree that that's how you want it to right. be. So if, okay. if if one person in a relationship gets sick and the person is like, at that point they they really want the love and they and if, but they love their partner. The sick the sicker person the sick person would say, you know I love you enough and I don't want to see you be cheated, and if you want to go out and do whatever. Uh, they they would have to be specific about it. You know, I'm I'm sort of mm-hmm. spitballing it here, but um, that's an agreement that the partners would make, right? On what they how they wanted to make that happen. Okay, does that so make I think sense that, to you? Yeah, it definitely does. And I guess you know, I think you know, if you do these five things in five, if it's comfortable for the couple, I think all of this has to be it's on a couple by couple basis. I love the concept. And I, I would think if it works correctly, each five year contract would actually strengthen, strengthen the relationship. So over time, you get to 25, 30 years, you've really kind of ironed out a lot of differences and there's a lot of more sharing going on and there's a lot of, of more clear communication. So I think if it's done the right way, it can really work. I want to, I just bring up the, all the what ifs that uh, our listeners sure. may have. And uh, sure. thank you for uh, understanding that. You have some, uh, Avoid all cost behaviors. And I was looking at that and I was thinking, you know, you probably learned so much by going through this and putting yourself through the test. And I admire you for that. So what are some of these avoided all cost behaviors that don't work in a marriage? I guess, obviously, screwing your next door neighbor is probably in the, in the list. But uh, just overall, because a good, good relationship, a good marriage, it, it, you've got to have a great communication going, I guess. Well, infidelity is not. In the, in the list, but what is in the list is narcissism mm-hmm. and sociopathy. I, I do you remember you're in New York, so you might you might remember, and some of your listeners might remember Joey Buttafuoco. Do you remember sure. that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sure. interviewed. I, a, yeah. 
I, I the, and the Long Island Lolita thing. Well, I interviewed okay. his, yeah, okay. I, Mary, Mary Jo Bodefuco right. uh, a couple of years ago, and we, and she. I remember when all that was going on, and I thought, how can you still be with him? And he's lying to you. Can't you understand? And she never got that until she eventually she left. Mary Jo left Joey, but it was her son, and she talks about this in her book. It was her son who clued her in and said, Mom, don't you get it? That's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, she didn't get what that was exactly, and she said she looked it, looked it up on the Internet when she got home that night, and she's like, all this stuff. Well, you, it's hard to live with somebody like that. So, you know, they, because they'll tell you, somebody who's a sociopath will tell you anything right. to get, you know, to, and, and, that's, and that's, um, that's a hard way to live. Domestic abuse, uh, narcissism, as I said earlier, because Mm -hmm. if everything, if everything floats around one person and at the beginning of narcissism, I think that that's, that seems like a fun thing because that person always has the sunlight on them and then, and then you're part of that sunlight. So you're part of their narcissistic world, but they don't, they get bored with that and they move on to somebody else. And then suddenly all that light that was shining on you is no no longer there and you feel it in the, like you're left out in the cold that's a, mm-hmm. like things like that that's a hard, those are hard ways of narcissism so sociopathy and then of course there's addiction that's and you know with the opioid thing right now that's right. just a hard mm-hmm. thing you know because I, I i lived with alcoholism and you know it never affects just that person it always affects everybody else yeah around them in addition to that person and and what that person does it you know they have one focus to get their next fix whatever it is whether it's food or drugs or alcohol whatever it is but everybody okay. else pays the price all right um and marie what is uh tell our listeners kind of what would be since you must have learned so much uh, over across these 30 years what were the real keys then to making your marriage work or making a marriage in general work? I, I think one of the big things is, uh, and it's, it was one of the things that, uh, that Joseph and I did after we went for therapy. And, and, you know, Robert, we didn't do any of this stuff at the beginning because we didn't even know. We had the five-year marriage, but at that point we didn't even know what that actually meant. You know, like we did, I, there, there wasn't any sense of, um, you know, was it? There just wasn't any sense of like what we just didn't understand. But after the second marriage and the therapy, that's when, that's when I put a lot of this together. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things we did, and I think this is critically important, is do you share the same values? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think that a lot Huge. of people, yeah, I, I I don't think a lot of people even. They don't even with, understand what the values mean, what that means. Why don't you explain what that means, sharing the same values? Well, and the, and the way that Joseph and I did it the first time was was that we made a list of what we valued. because, And I know this through all my Victorious Woman work. A lot of people don't even know what their own values are. So how can you have shared values if mm-hmm. you don't even know what your values are? Right. And so that was one of the things that we that we decided to do was create, figure out what, get clear about what our own values were. 
And we did this, you know, we talk a lot about the the, the um, family meeting. And so we did this over a series of family meetings. And we would meet, and, and, I, and I talk about this a lot in the family meetings, that we always took it outside the house because there wasn't a, an opportunity when it's outside of the house that we were going to scream and yell, each, yell at each other in a public place. And if we were home, one person couldn't get ticked off and walk away. So we would go like to a bookstore or a coffee shop, and, and we would talk about it. And so we did – the first thing was we did our own personal values. What, what are your top ten values? And then we narrowed them down to which ones of those ten can we say as a couple will be our shared values. Okay. And All right. Because, uh, it, because um, then, and then those are the ones we would focus on, and when we would have a family meeting – we would review those values just so that we would remember here's here's what here's what we when we have our conversation today we have to remember these are our shared values and the other thing is that we 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 live on purpose so here's what our purpose is as a couple in this marriage and we do this and we do this whole we we revisit our values we re, refocus our on our purpose, it's okay. kind of it keeps things alive. Got it. All right. Our special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Anne Marie Kelly, the book "The Five Year Marriage." Anne Marie, thank you so much for being my guest. Um, tell everybody where they can get the book, find out about the uh, Victorious Women's Project, etc. Thank you, Robert. They you can get the book on Amazon. You can just go there, and, and it's the Five Year Marriage. You can go to my website, fiveyearmarriage.com, and there's, uh, you know, you can read my blog post and some of the other information, tips, and things I have there. Uh, the Victorious Woman Project is at victoriouswoman.com. Great. Listen, I think what you're doing is uh, very uh, brave, uh, courageous, and you're taking marriage seriously. And I think what you're doing is putting a template out there, whether people follow it by the T and with the five years or not, you are, I think, uh, encouraging people in a very sound way to make sure they continue to have an ongoing dialogue and keep building the relationship and making sure both partners are on the same page going forward. And I think that's kind of what's behind it. And I think it's great that you're doing that. And um, I know you must get a lot of tough questions. And um, I think you handle yourself very well. And I think you're doing a service by putting this out there because it sounds like, to me, like your goal is to help people have the best relationships possible. Thank you, Robert. And that's and you're right. It is. It is because so many times I talk to women and men, and they're you know they're in their marriages and they're not living their best life. Yep. And and I really feel like if they follow those the principles of the five-year marriage and they put their marriage first, that they have a better shot of being of living a happy life, personally and as a couple. And, they, and you know what, Robert, here's the other thing. Children learn what they live. My background, I was an elementary school teacher, elementary and middle school. Children learn what they live. And mm-hmm. if they see mom and dad, they see that they have a problem and they, and they see them figuring it out then they learn that problems can be solved. If they yep. see people, you know, parents working together, then that's what they learn. So I really see this being a big boon for children. Yep. 
No, it's fantastic. So listen, thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to being on your podcast. Um, I want to wish you a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, everything, Happy New Year. And uh, it was a delightful uh, meeting here and a great discussion. And uh, thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Thank you, Robert. I, I appreciate that you had me on. I look forward to talking with you in February. And I'm wishing you not just a Merry Christmas, but a happy birthday. Oh, thanks so much, Emery. All right, I look forward. I'll be in the hot seat that's and, and on your show, so I can't wait. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, take care now. You too. All right, Bye. we're going to take a quick break, everybody, and then I'll uh, have our special announcement, and then we'll wrap things up. The Guide Guide Radio. All right, we're back on Guys Guys Radio. That was a stimulating, that was an interesting discussion because that was a fresh topic. And, you know, you have to have some guts to do what Anne Marie's doing. She's putting something out there, and I'm sure she gets hammered by a lot of people with so many questions because everybody likes to try to find the holes in things. And I, I was doing a little bit of that myself, so I hope I didn't go too far on that. But because she was delightful, and I, I give her credit for uh, putting this out there, getting behind it, and because the objective is a very positive one. So anyhow, check out her book, The uh, Five-Year Marriage and all of her work, Anne-Marie Kelly. Okay, my special announcement is, I mean, we have done Guys Guys Radio for the last three or four years and uh, on the podcast on Block Talk Radio. We're not going anywhere away from what we have right now, which is we're on Block Talk Radio, we're on TuneIn, we're on Stitcher, and we're on iTunes. But um, I was recently a guest on... Uh, Kimberly Meredith's show, she was a guest, she's a healer, she was on our show and she invited me on her show because she did a healing on me and it, and it worked and I went on her show to talk about it and the, her producer uh, talked to me afterwards and we decided, hey, um, they offered me a slot on KCAA, it's out in Southern California, kind of the Orange County area, but it's got a nice footprint, I'll be on a couple of different stations out there. Uh I'm going to be on KCAA 102.3 FM, 106.5 FM, and one and 10:50 AM. So KCAA radio, uh, I think that they they do a feed with NBC. So there'll be I'll be an hour show. We're going to have an NBC news feed at the top of the hour, and then I will be on Wednesdays from uh, eight till nine o'clock, starting on January 9th. And I'm very excited about that. As part of that, the show also goes on the KCAA website on their list of podcasts. I'll also be on uh, another platform, Spreaker, which I'm sure many are familiar with, and also uh, on iHeartRadio, which uh, this will expand the potential reach of Guys Guys Radio to about 40 million potential listeners. So we have a chance to really take this thing to the next level. This is a perfectly natural next step. I'm delighted. It's great that they wanted me, even though I'm broadcasting out of New York, they wanted me to be on a Southern California station. My wife and I have been discussing a move out to Southern California because we have some relatives there and maybe it's time to move away out of the city after all these years. So uh, we're, we're thinking uh, that that's going to happen. And um, in the meantime, I'll be starting my gig there on KCAA uh, January 9th. So I want to thank all my guests who've been on Guys Guys Radio, uh, all my guests that are coming up on Guys Guys Radio, we're booked for the next couple of months. For now, we're going to still do two shows a week. We're going to pick one show, and each one show a week is going to go on KCAA. Um, I want to thank, most importantly, the listeners 
and everybody who supported me, whether it's been by buying my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, um, liking me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, following me, reading my blog on robertmanny.com. I, I posted like 325 blog posts over the last couple of years. And it's a lot of work and I've been bootstrapping it. And a lot of times it's very easy to ask yourself, you know, what am I doing? Is this worth it? Because I have a long background in marketing and advertising on the corporate side. And I decided, you know what, you know what brand I want to build? I want to brand, build the brand Robert Manny and Guy's Guy because I really want to help people because I think there's a lot of folks out there who are seekers. They're looking for more than what is currently being offered them from whatever it is, from the media, from their job, from society. They're, they know there's more. And they want to tap into it. And what I like to do is bring, bring these tools, bring these experts out for people to listen to and say, hey, I never thought of that. Is this something I want to do? Maybe, maybe not. Whether it's wellness, spirituality, relationships, diet. Um, I have fantasy sports experts. We have all different types of guests on the show today and coming up, like we just had Anne-Marie. Her concept is the five-year marriage. Is it for you? Maybe. Is it for me? I don't know. Um, I just I got married late in life. I don't think I'm I don't think it's for me necessarily. But I think the concept of what she was talking about is for me because I think you have to check in and make sure that you don't take your relationship for granted. So there's a lot of truth in that. But the point is, I'm my goal is to put information out there and, and entertain you and have good guests and have some fun stories and good discussions and we're going to keep doing that. Now we're going to be doing it on a bigger platform. So thank you so much. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Little Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, we're going to have another show on Sunday and um, looking forward to that. And in the meantime, just uh, God bless you all. Thank you so much. I'm really, really, um, I'm blessed to have had this opportunity and to see it kind of grow. When you really work hard on something and you see it grow, it feels really good. So thanks so much. And like I always say, guys, guys finish first.